Well, hey there, welcome back to our Clarity Podcast series, where we are seeking to take a look at the life of Jesus and get a clear picture of who he is as a church here at Fellowship Bible Church in Northwest Arkansas. My name is Finley. And I'm Garland. Well, welcome back to everyone here who's decided to listen with us today. Uh, it's great to have you guys with us, and we are excited about beginning in the next kind of series, a part of our uh, journey together looking through the scriptures. We're going to take a look at the book of Mark, some of the unique factors that we have there, some of the um, themes that run throughout this book. And so, uh, Garland, uh, will you kind of give us kind of as a as a kicking off place, just a a big picture overview of what we're seeing, what we're going to kind of look at as, as Mark is one of these kind of original gospels, one of the first really. And so uh, give us some kind of major themes and a, an overview of, of where we can begin. Yeah. I mean, as we, as we look at the Bible, as we try to study the Bible and we're doing so uh, this year, what you'll notice in the clarity readings is uh, we're going to look at all four of the gospels throughout the course of this year. We're going to end up reading all of them. These documents teaching us about Jesus, and rightly so, because so we're desired to get a, a clearer picture of Jesus. And so uh, with that in mind, we've, we've noted in some of these previous podcasts about how helpful it can be to just, before you dive into a book, before you dive into, I mean, Mark is going to be 16 chapters long, and before you get in there, it can be intimidating, scary. And so what we want to do is hopefully just give, give you the ability to wrap your arms around this gospel uh, and kind of who wrote it, who's Mark, what's going on, how does the book flow, and uh, and so that, that always helps me. And so if you are listening to the Clarity Podcast out there, uh, let me let me encourage you to, to take the your paper Bible, your actual Bible that you use, and to open it to the Gospel of Mark and sit down with this podcast. And if you're in a car right now, then do it later. Uh, and and go to the white space at the top of the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. You'll see usually there's some white space in most people's Bibles. If you have a study Bible, this will already be in there for you. And what I want you to do is when we look at outline stuff and key themes and words that are repeated and that kind of stuff, write that down. And here's why. When you are studying it later, when you're making disciples in your life and you're going to teach them the gospel of Mark, it's so helpful to have that material right there. So when I study a book, I always go in and write that down. I rewrite it down in the, whatever Bible I'm using just to refresh my memory. So uh, that's just a helpful tip. So let's look at Mark. Uh, what's going on in Mark? Mark is, most Bible scholars uh, teach that Mark is the first gospel written. So Matthew and Luke especially will use Mark somewhat of a template. They'll use Mark as one of the sources for their narrative material. Yeah, and, and the significance of that is Mark is actually uh, credited with creating a new genre of Scripture. Like he, he is going to be the first gospel writer. Matthew and Luke are going to then base a lot of what they're going to say off of his outline and kind of template, but but he's creating something that hasn't yet existed, this gospel account, this good news of Jesus. This is the very first one. Yeah, and, then, and we're going to dive into that word, even gospel. He starts off by saying, this is the gospel, and that is a very intentional choice by Mark. He's essentially, gospel messages were always about the king or military victories in some far distant land. They were they were messages 
of stories that by which everything was different. And Mark comes along and says, yeah, I've got one of those, but it's not the kind that you're expecting. So it's not really a biography, as you're pointing out. It's not really a, it's not a, a, a myth or a, a hist- historical myth. It's a, it's a story of a person by which understanding that story changes everything about life. It's a new genre. It's just a really cool thing that Mark is doing. And the great thing about Mark is, is he has a very unique perspective. He's going to write a gospel, a, a, a story about Jesus that is unique to him as given through actually the eyes of Peter. And so this is going to look different to a different audience for a different purpose, uniquely to Mark. Yeah. And it's helpful that you point that out because uh, what we have to recognize is Mark is not listed as one of the 12 disciples. So Mark's not one of the disciples. So the question is, who is this guy? Like, why are we listening to this guy? And most, uh, we say many Bible scholars think that the John Mark, who is friends with Paul and travels with Paul and Barnabas on their first journey. In fact, they get into a fight over him in the book of Acts. Uh, many Bible scholars think that that same John Mark is the Mark who wrote this particular gospel and that the primary source for the authorship, the primary source of where he's getting his material is from the Apostle Peter, as you point out. So Peter, Peter's lens will come out a lot in the Gospel of Mark, and you'll see that as you read it, you'll see Peter sometimes looking really good and oftentimes looking like he is a complete idiot, uh, So, which I, I appreciate um, because that seems to be my life. Um, when we look at Mark, here's the rough outline. So Mark has three primary movements of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and if you're writing Roman numerals, if you're writing a chart in that white space, here's what you're going to be uh, looking at. The Gospel of Mark has three primary movements. The first, we might we might call it the uh, the the public ministry of Jesus defining his messiahship. And if you want to put uh, write this down in Roman numeral form, uh, what we're going to call that is the Galilean ministry. I've, I always call it act one. The, the first act in this particular presentation of Jesus is chapter one through chapter eight, verse 21. And it's primarily Jesus in Galilee, and he's redefining messiahship around himself. We're going to look about look at how Mark does that in just a second. So when you when you say Act One in Galilee, wh- where is that? Why is that significant? Yeah. What's the what's the, the the important factor that he's kind of doing this ministry to the masses? Galilee, wh- where are we talking about? So that's a, yeah, that's a really good question. When we think about uh, modern and ancient Israel. There's the, we might say the capital where things, where the movers and shakers are, the religious leaders at least, are in Jerusalem and Judea. That's in southern Israel. Then there's this area called Galilee, which is in northern Israel. And then there's some kind of backwater fishing villages. It's centered around this, this lake called the, we call it a sea, but it's really a lake, the, the Sea of Galilee. And this is the area where Jesus will uh, grow up. This is also the area where Jesus will announce his ministry, and then begin to define his messiahship. And it's going to draw attention from the religious leaders down in that kind of capital area called Judea. And that's going to be a major part of the gospel of Mark as those religious leaders are going to face off with Jesus going, the way you're redefining messiahship, we don't like it. And they're going to, they're going to have some open conflict with Jesus. So that's act one, Jesus in Galilee. And he is publicly demonstrating himself as a, the redefined Messiah. 
Act two is really fascinating. Act two is the middle part of the book, and it is, uh, we might say, Jesus on the road. So I call act two, it's on the road to Jerusalem. And it is chapter eight, verse 22, through chapter 10, verse 52. So essentially, chapter eight through 10 uh, is act two. And what is so fascinating about this section, and if, if we can turn there in a minute, uh, what's fascinating about the section is it begins and ends with healings of blind people, those that can't see. And in the middle, Jesus gives a, Mark is, in, is highly structured in his pattern. Mark gives us a pattern of Jesus pronouncing his messiahship and the call to obedience and loyalty to him that will be at great cost. And the primary idea of this middle section is he's training his disciples. He's teaching them that the road of following this Messiah will involve suffering. And that's this middle section. On the way up to Jerusalem, where he will suffer, he's telling his disciples, this is what it looks like to follow me. And it's this redefined Messiahship will be centered around uh, servanthood, suffering for enemies, not conquering them. And they're just, there are these incredible pictures in there. And this is why Mark is highlighting it, this section, with two blind men. The middle section is bracketed by the healings of two blind men. So those that couldn't see, see, while the religious leaders who think they see, don't see. And Mark is being very intentional in this middle section. It's got some of everybody's favorite teachings in the gospel. So you've got the the opening piece here where Jesus is um, appealing to the masses his Messiahship. Then he moves uh, more narrow in his focus as he's primarily investing his teaching and all the things that he is trying to drive towards for his disciples which then leads us to Act 3, which is kind of the conclusion. What what do we find there? Yeah, if you just look at the material, uh, Jesus will enter Jerusalem. So Act 1 is in Galilee in the north. Act 2 is on the road to Jerusalem. And then Act 3 is chapter 11 through the end of the book. And think about the weight of the material even. Act 3 in Jerusalem will be nearly 40% of the gospel will be dedicated to just one week of Jesus' life. So Jesus lives probably somewhere around 33 to 37 years on the earth, and Mark will dedicate 40% of his material to one week of Jesus' life in Jerusalem, his confrontation with the religious leaders that will lead to his betrayal, arrest, trials, and then his execution by Roman, uh, by Roman crucifixion. And yet the story will be all along telling us that as the rightful Messiah, as the true Messiah of Israel, what Jesus is doing in Jerusalem is going after the enemy that has swallowed up Israel and the world. In fact, that enemy being sin and death. So Jesus' Messiahship is not what they're expecting. They're expecting Messiah to come and remove their enemies, namely Rome, the bad boy on the block, Rome. But instead, Jesus keeps talking about a redefined Messiahship and a different enemy, namely sin. And that will come to a head in this Jerusalem final week of Jesus' life, chapters 11 through the end of the book. So who who would be... Uh, who would be kind of Mark's target audience? Who, who is he writing this for? Why has he chosen to structure his gospel in this way from you know Galilee to Jerusalem down to the cross? Why is he going about writing this gospel in this manner? Who is his target? What's he hoping that they get out of reading these 16 chapters in his uh, gospel account? Well, this is where Mark gets 
Mark's so awesome. Just the way we, we sometimes, I think, or maybe we oftentimes miss the narrative awesomeness of these books. These are really well put together stories. And as an English major, I am very impressed by the way that they did this. Uh, it's a really awesome major for those of you looking to decide a major. Really proud of that, aren't you? Yeah, really proud of that. Now, uh, so if you think about the Gospel of Mark, Obviously, Mark has, as part of his audience, uh, the the broader Jewish culture that's rejected Jesus as Messiah. Definitely. Uh, He wouldn't include all of this confrontation with the Jewish leadership. But then Mark is going to have this, this, we might say, broader audience. And I think it's, it's very, it's interesting how he, how he's put this gospel together. He begins by saying, Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 1. This is the beginning of the gospel. And now remember, gospels were the word gospel, good news, to our knowledge, that word was reserved in the Roman culture for news about Caesars, news about the king. And by this point, so Mark is writing, most scholars think, in the mid-50s A.D. By the mid-50s A.D., not only is the is Rome now an empire, but Rome has now elevated the Caesar to the level of the divine son of God. Right. That's a claim of kingship and, we might say, succession from divinity. That is widespread in the Roman culture at this point, and especially outside the, the, the capital in Rome. All sorts of, we might call it Caesar worship. And here, look at how Mark begins. This is the beginning of the good news story about Jesus, that's Jesus' name, who is the Messiah. There's our Israel side of the story. He is the anticipated answer to the whole story of Israel. He's also the son of God. That, for every Roman person reading that, that is a ridiculous, bold claim because the Romans would even put on their coins the picture of Caesar, and it would say, this is Caesar. He's the son of God. Mm -hmm. And here comes Mark saying, no, no, no. You think Caesar is the rightful king. No, Jesus is the rightful king. And notice how Mark ends his gospel toward the end. In chapter 15, we have two different reactions of we might call it important Romans. Pilate seems relatively indifferent, but we have a centurion who is one who is, we might call it a Roman military leader, a general. The story that Mark tells toward the end, we have a Roman military leader saying, surely this was the son of God. Right. So to answer the question, what is, Mark's, what is one of Mark's primary audiences? He is sending a news announcement out to the Roman world that there is an answer to the problem of sin, that's the Messiah part, and a rightful king of the world, that's the son of God part. And by the way, it ain't your king in Rome. It's Jesus, Israel's Messiah. And anyone reading this is going to be confronted with that reality as they see it. How can a crucified one be the king of the earth and the answer to the problem of sin? And that story is anticipated as it unfolds. Right. So if you're if you're looking through and reading through kind of in the the coming weeks as we spend some time together in Mark what what are a couple of key threads or some themes that are that are going to continually come back over and over and over again some things that are probably just going to kind of jump off the page if you know that you're looking for them as we're kind of preparing to jump in and and see this this book for the next uh, little while in our in our clarity series yeah, I think that's a really good question. And the first thing to notice about Mark is uh, Mark, 
the pace is just flies by. Yes. He uses the word uh, uthus or immediately. Uthus is the way to say it in Greek. He uses that word over and over and over again. The right. pace of the story is just it's, it's moving. In a hurry. Oh, golly, yeah, it's just flying by. He doesn't stop to give you long teachings of Jesus. You're not going to get the Sermon on the Mount, for example. Right. You get the two longest teachings in Mark are in chapter 4, this collection of parables, and then in chapter 13, this long story about what will happen when Rome gets destroyed and then when the Son of Man returns in the future. And so you get uh, you don't get a lot of teaching. You get tons and tons of uh, confrontation with, uh, we might say, uh, opponents. Some are going to be spiritual, right. like demons. Some are going to be sickness. Some are going to be supposed opponents like Gentiles, and then some are going to be the religious leaders themselves. The word fear is used all over this book. People are consistently afraid of G- of the things that are going on. They're un- they're confused. Uh, and then we're going to see uh, Jesus answer that fear. Right. Uh, it's, it's a book of action. It's a book with pace. It moves along. And so we hope as you're, as you're studying this alongside uh, the rest of us here in our Clarity series, that, uh, that that will come out for you as you're reading it. Yeah, and and lastly, I think when you take this from the perspective that this is Mark's account kind of through the lens and through the eyes of Peter, uh, you see some of his personality come out in this, in this book. You see kind of the way that Peter is uh, told in other gospel accounts you kind of see his his ideas and his hurried and his passion and his immediacy kind of come forth. And then also a lot of times Jesus is talking about um, the cost of discipleship, what it means, what it is going to result in. If you truly want to be a follower of Jesus, it is going to cost you. It is going to require much of you. There is going to be suffering. And and Jesus says in, uh, in his teachings, like I, I came to... Um, not to be served, but to uh, but to serve and to give my life. Like that is what he is here for. That is the cost of those who are going to be following Jesus. Yeah, and and that's actually a, that's a great way to to sign off on this one. the the key The key verse we might say, if you're starring one or highlighting one in the Gospel of Mark, if you want to have just one verse that helps remind you of what Mark is all about. It's Mark 10.45, and so you can turn there and, and underline it, star it, highlight it, draw arrows to it, circle it, squiggly lines, different colors, whatever it is you do, and it's what you just quoted. Uh, the context, Jesus says, You know how other rulers are, think about Rome, how the Gentiles are. They lord it over them, their high officials have exercise, they exercise authority over them, but he says, not so among you. You want to be great? Then you must become a servant. And you want to be first? You got to become slave of all. And here's the key line. Or even the Son of Man, by the way, it's an Israel expectation. Israel, the Son of Man, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we might note that only Jesus can say, if you try to save your, your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life for me, you actually find yeah. life. So yes, discipleship will cost us everything, but we get everything because we have Jesus. And as we go out and make disciples in our world, right. that wants, we want that to be... We might say uh, the hallmark of us as Jesus people now to serve and give our lives as uh, give our lives up in service to other people. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. This has been our introduction to the book of Mark. We hope that you will uh, stay faithful and enjoy your time in the scriptures and just continue uh, investing uh, your life in, in the in the, the the following of Jesus as we seek to see Him more clearly. 
uh, thanks for uh, being with us today.